Welcome to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me today, it's former Wisconsin head coach and Stanford grad, Bobby Kelsey. Coach is someone I've admired from afar. We've we've interacted tons on social media, but this is the first chance we've ever actually had a chance to sit down and, and talk. And we talk about her story from from coming from high school to playing at Stanford, tons of stops in between as an assistant going back to the Cardinal and then getting a head coaching job at Wisconsin. Since then, she's done broadcasting. She's coached in the WNBA. She's working now at the high school level. She's someone who is unapologetic and unafraid to use her voice. And uh, this one gets into a lot more than just basketball. We, we talk about social justice. We talk about uh, the state our country's in. And we, we, we talk about some, some stuff. So this is one of the longest episodes of the Jump Around uh, we've ever recorded, and uh, it's. I hope it comes across as genuine as it was. Uh, it was two people talking, and we just kept talking, and uh, I thought it was uh, it was great to hear from Coach and, and get to listen. And so uh, I hope you learn and take away from it as much as I did. Um, but anyway, I'll stop talking. We'll get her on, and uh, we'll be right back. This is the Jump Around. Welcome back to the jump around and joining me as promised it is Bobby Kelsey coach. I appreciate you you taking some time out of, of your day. I know we're all as we were talking before we hit record. It's just uh, it's crazy times for all of us. And so it's uh, I appreciate the chance to chat with you and kind of get to step away from our lives right now and then get to get to talk a little shop. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So. There's so much to get into with you, but like I do with everyone, I wanna I wanna go all the way back to the beginning and walk people through your journey if if they don't know it. And so, I love to start like when you're back playing high school basketball and you're you're obviously you're being recruited, you're looking at schools and everything. Just what what would 17 year old Bobby tell me that your life's oh, gonna turn God. into? <laughs> you hitting homers right off the bat. <laughs> 17-year-old Bobby. Um, well, my journey was a little bit different in that I was injured. Um, we not go all the way back to birth, but as you as I go back and think about and look back at my, right before I got recruited to Stanford, I was injured. To be honest with you, Blake, my, mine more divine than anything because I got injured my summer of my junior year. And I was in the AAU tournament in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'll never forget. And I turned to go out, run out off the screen and guard my girl. And that knee just, whoop, I mean, mm. left knee just went. And um, right before my senior year, so I only played six games of my senior year in high school, which was very devastating. Of course, everybody wants to go out senior year on the bang, high note. My team was pretty good. We had almost won the state the year before, so we were itching to get back. Um, but it just didn't work out for me um, personally, but I still, thank God, got a scholarship. And that was before I got into Stanford. So I did enough academically mm. to get in. Nowadays, I think I would have to do a lot more to get in. <laughs> um, but still had to write the essay, and, and, and I didn't have AP classes and things like that, but you're talking about 30 years ago. So things have quite changed. But the good news was that I still was able to, I was kind enough, and I guess I was good enough to, 
continue on with the um, recruiting process, but I only played six games my senior in high school. And then, unfortunately, the same thing happened to me in college. Tara went off to um, coach the Olympic team in 96. Amy Tucker was our coach at the time, and I we were just in the Pac-12 season. It was Pac-10 at that time. We had just played our first two games, and I hurt my knee again in practice, my other knee, my right knee. So that ended my college career. So, you know, cry for me. Uh, America. <laughs> I, was not, I did not finish neither my high school nor college career the way I would have envisioned. But the good news is you could still go on to do some pretty fun and exciting and spectacular things if you just believe in your abilities and what you can do. And 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 divinely, you know, God got a plan for all of us, whether you believe that or not. Yeah. And mine was just to continue forward with coaching and doing all these fun things that I've had a chance to do. So. Yeah. Well. Obviously, yeah, not the way you want things to go, but an incredible chance to obviously uber successful while you're there. You you talk about Tara, you talk about Amy Tucker. I mean, you you got to play for some extraordinary women to kind of set the set the you know the path for you a little bit there. As you look, absolutely, yeah. What like what the influence on on that staff uh, that is always like from from when you played to today. A dynamic uh-huh. staff full of powerful women. Just how did that influence you into your coaching career? You know what? Back in the day, it was a lot more women coaching the girls. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't grow up having men, male coaches. I know some of the, the girls nowadays say it doesn't matter. But for me, being old schooler, it does matter. Because I think that when you see women coaching in those uh, seats of power and position, it, it, it's more of an impact. Because you always see the men in those positions. So the folks that really say it doesn't matter and all that. And you, you're a guy. You kind of probably get it more than most because I see your posts and things like that. You pro-women and pushing women to the front, but also not to the detriment of men. You know, it's just women don't get all those opportunities. So to, to play for, you know, my high school coach was a woman. My AAU coach was a man. I did coach. The AAU was a little bit different because you had guys kind of doing more of that. But as far as the full landscape of women's basketball, you didn't have a lot of men coaching the girls. And and some of that's, most of that's tied to the salary. You know, it yep. wasn't a big money maker. But now, shoot, any any position now, you can get a good, good hearty salary yep. coaching the girls. So I think more guys got interested in that sense. But there, were, there have been some men that have been from the beginning. And those are the ones that I don't mind seeing getting opportunities, but some of them run over to the women's side and it's not fair, yeah. you know, to be honest, it's not right. So, um, but again, that goes back to who's hiring as well. You know, if you got a lot of male ADs, which we do have at the big power five levels anyway, you're going to have uh, more men getting the jobs. Unfortunately, if you had a lot of black women being ADs, you see a lot more black women. It's just That's nature. Right. That's right. Um, it doesn't make it right. It's just nature. So, Anyway, to be coached by Atar Vanderveer, Amy Tucker, to, you know, Atar's already in the Hall of Fame. Amy should be in there, too, um, because she, um, it was like not missing a beat when Atar left. Obviously, you want your head coach, but um, in some ways, we were happy. It was like, ooh, we get out of jail. Atar's not holding you back. You know, I can't the coach holding you back and got the chains on you and putting you in jail, you know, handcuffing you, can't play your game and all that kind of stuff. But um, we wouldn't have been where we were without Todd, obviously. But Amy um, didn't come in and try to be anything other than who she was. And we got to the final for that year, too. So that's a credit to not only her, Todd, and Amy and the staff at the, that time, some other folks, but um, also our team. Uh, a lot of times the peer um, 
the accountability is more important than the coaches. Because, you know, coaches are like Charlie Brown. You get wah, 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 you hear all that all the time. You're not even listening. But when you have peers and your teammates that are keeping you accountable and making sure that uh, everybody's on the same page, that was the most powerful part of why we were so successful. Uh, not only as a player at Stanford, but when I went back as a coach, that it was a different team, but it was still the program. Sure. You didn't want to be the class to mess it up. Right. Come in there and crap the bed, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. So it was a lot of peer pressure that way, too. But, you know, just people took a lot of pride in, in being a Stanford uh, basketball player and, and wanted to make sure that their success continued. Sure. Um, and we talked from Final Four national championships at that point. So. Yeah. Well, you... You obviously allude to you. Know, you go back as an assistant, but you, you skipped a few stops in between. Uh, we got We got I, I, skip, I skipped a few. I skipped. <laughs> no, hold on. Like I, I need people to realize, you went from Boise, Idaho, to Gainesville, yes. Florida, to Evansville, Indiana, to Cullowee, North Carolina. I've Cullowee, been there. I have been Cullowee. there. I have been there. I have been you turn to your head two times, you're not going to miss it. That is the truth. Is quick. Yes, if yeah. that light doesn't turn red, you might go through the stoplight. So you're going to go right on I got you. It. I got you. And then you go up to Blacksburg, Virginia, and Virginia Tech, and then you find your way back to Stanford. So between your career ending at Stanford as a player and you going back as an assistant coach, all those stops, all those zigzags across the country, as you, as you look back and reflect on it now, with hindsight, obviously – what was what was it about you do you think that you grew the most or were formed the most in those times because again that you know Stanford it's, it's well known the, the there's so many stories about people and how how it molded people but I'm sure as you go to all these different places all across the country you you probably learn different things in different ways so what is it of some of those things as you look back that you felt like you you grew developed or or what have you yeah, those were some of the best times. I mean, people get caught up in the power fives and all that, but I said some of the best times at some of them smaller places. I mean, oh man, the Boise's, the the the, the Evansville's, the, the the Western Carolinas, the, to name the few that I was at. That uh, you know, Evansville didn't have football. I had some of the best times. Mm-hmm. Some of the best times. Um, Colorway was small, but it was. Man, the athletic department that from the AD on down, we had such a good time. It was the most fun I've had as a coach. Hmm. It was at color, you know, at Western Carolina. I, I'm not even lying. I mean, and I can have fun everywhere I go because I'm. I, I like to have fun, and if you're around me, you are gonna have some too. But, <laughs> um, man, we had a ball. We, I mean, we didn't win a whole lot, but but the camaraderie within the staff was, and you don't get that at the power fives, you know, those mm-hmm. people have to move in different circles and in different ways, but the smaller schools, man, there's value in going and learning at those places. Cause you have to be very creative with your budgets, with your decisions on who you're going to see and whatnot. Um, you didn't always have the, the extended staff that some of the power fives have. A lot of them have the managers and the assistance to the assistant to the assistant. Uh, you know, you don't have that at the little colorways and the little, you know, the little Western Carolinas, the little Evans. I mean, they, they've grown since my time, obviously, at those places. But, um, man, you had to be everything. Yeah. But that grew me as a coach because I didn't, I, once I got to the big power fives, the, the, the selling point for me was I've only not done the head coaching job. Right. Uh, you know, like right. you, you can't deny me because I've done it all. <laughs> so it's some value to moving around if you're going to be growing and learning. Yep. I know some coaches have stayed one place their whole career. I my because I've had a different experience. I I value moving around. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. But as I got older, I didn't want to do that anymore because you got to move your little stuff and, you know, you're always moving. But um, as you get older, you kind of want to get your roots in somewhere. But um, that moving around was very valuable in the interview process because I could sell the fact that I know how to coach at big, small, West Coast, East Coast, yeah. no football, football. <laughs> you know, I mean, who who can argue with that? Sure. You know, so whatever your school is going to fit in one of those categories. So yeah. I think whoever's listening to this, you don't have a lot of experience. There's nothing bad about that. But if you have a lot, use that to your advantage. Some people can look at that and say, well, you just couldn't stay somewhere. No, I moved because it was an opportunity. One, two, I learned a lot under those different coaches. I work for people that Hall of Famers, first-time head coaches, middle of the road, you know, been in seat a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's something to learn from all those people. Yeah. So I really had um, – a rich experience coaching at different places. So if y'all moving around coaches, don't use that to your advantage. That that's an advantage. If you word it right in your interview. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, when you, when you get back to Stanford as an assistant, was there, was there anything from that seat, right? When you're, where you're, you've got your office, you're a coach now. Was there anything different about the school, about Tara, about anything around the program that maybe, you gained a new appreciation for being in that seat as opposed to being a student athlete there? Yes, especially playing for Tara because when she interviewed me, I said, now, Tara, I, I want to come back, but it, I, I can't come if you're going to treat me like a player because mm-hmm. I played for her. Mm-hmm. She didn't know me as a coach. She knew I coached. Sure. She didn't know me as a coach because I never worked for her. When you play for someone and when you work for them, that's a totally different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and she was fine with that. Um but it was that fear for me that I would be kind of looked at as a not that you can't look at me as a former player, but you know, it's just a different dynamic. I'm grown. I'm an adult, right. you know, I'm not a teenager anymore. So, but she never did that. And, um, I just, you know, sometimes you have to put things out in the, in the atmosphere. You have to tell people what you need mm-hmm. to do the, the best job. You can't assume they know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it worked out fantastically. It, it was, um, a great, I, and I always had a great, uh, relationship with Tara. Um, we weren't bosom best buddies, but I could respect what she's done for so long at a school where you got to get in first. Deborah, you got to get in there. <laughs> yeah. They can love you all they want to. If a mission says no, guess what? You ain't going. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I appreciate about Stanford too, but I appreciate that about Tara because she's done it so well under those circumstances for so long and to be as successful as she's been. Wow. I mean, if you can't learn something from her, you're just not paying attention. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and her experience with the Olympic team and all of that stuff. So I, I feel like I got a PhD in coaching, coaching there. Not that I didn't learn from others, but man, I mean, to go from a student athlete to working with her on the other side, because, you know, as a student athlete, you don't see the office meetings and all that. You just think the coaches show up like you do and, and get ready. You know, no, oh, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more going on. <laughs> so scouting and things of that, how she breaks it down, the strategy of her being able to beat a Gino Oriama team every, you know, when nobody seems to be able to beat them, because mm-hmm. we did when I was there. But that strategy and breaking it down, wow. I mean, Man, and then you got to get the players. You can know all you want in your head, but if you don't have the players executed, yep. it's not going to do you any good. But working for her and playing for her, wow, Who, what can I say? Yeah. You know, it's nothing like it. And I've heard that from other people too. Yeah. They've gone other places and worked for a tar, somebody like her. It's like, man, I thought I knew, but. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. well, it's, it's, I guess it's an appropriate 
you know, final launching point for you to then get that head coaching job, right? You you go yeah. you go through yeah. all these places and then you kind of yeah, you go through the master class, right? Like you finally, all right, yeah. get your stamp yeah. of approval and and you you get your first head coaching job at a BCS level school, which is which is rare, right? That's uh that's definitely rare it's, for it's rare. Yeah, it's rare and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Well, and that's what I was going to say for for you being a head coach for the first time and doing it in a high profile place like Wisconsin, what, I mean, again, I think we all, you know, have ideas of what things will look like. Was there anything in particular though, when you got there where you're like, wow, like I didn't realize that this was going to be like this. Yeah. Blake, I could talk all day, but I'm not going to, but (laughs) the the biggest thing is when you want something and then you actually get it, you like, Oh crap. I I better better get with it now. This is for real. Um, so, and I'm the kind of person, I just think I can yeah. Now, granted, now we looking back, I didn't do as well, and that's that's not had nothing to do with Wisconsin. It's just you got to pick the right players in the right sequence at the right time, and if you wait too long on this one, you miss that. It, it, that's that was more of my issue mm-hmm. because I didn't have a lot of kids transfer and, and hate me and all that kind. Of, I mean, they probably didn't like me at the time when I had them on the line, but <laughs> yeah. um, as much as we didn't win, the kids still had a great experience from what I know. Yep. Um, and looking back, I'm sure they probably appreciate it even more now because they knew I loved them and cared about them. And that wasn't just about basketball. Um, if they had a class that they had to study, I'm like, go study. You know, if they they knew that I would have it back. Yep. And, um, you know, we had a parent pass away, Roy Marble, his daughter played, and he had to take the kids to the funeral. I mean, you know, you just do so much more than coach. Mm-hmm. the X's and O's at that point, but it's so much on you. Yeah. You're responsible for everything. When you're in that second chair and why can't the coach just, why won't she just, well, all he got to do is, okay, yeah. okay, keep saying that. <laughs> when you get in that first chair and you got to make a split second decision yeah. that affects 30, 40, 50 people, yep. it's hard. Yep. But all the training and all the places I've been, it prepared me. Now it didn't again reflect in the W column, and that's what people see. And but when you got a parent that tells you thanks for saving my child's life because you know the backside of what she was doing and shouldn't have been doing and was into it and things and, 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 and things of that nature, it's worth it. It's worth the forty one and the hundred. You know, I don't, I don't forty seven and hundred. I think or something like that. But I, I don't get into that. I, I know what I did there and what I couldn't do and what I was up against and not making excuses, but every place sure. is different. And I love Wisconsin. I, I don't, I don't think bad about Barry Alvarez or anybody, you know, he had to make a business decision and he let me, you know, have a chance. He, he didn't have to do that. You know, him and the SW at the time, Der- Terry Garlic, they didn't have to come after me and pursue me and they could have picked anybody they wanted. So yeah. again, but if I didn't get fired from Wisconsin, guess what? I don't get to be, Big Ten studio analysts and, yeah. and do a game on the road and, and go to WNBA and coach the Sparks, the best players in the world, and work for a great coach like Brian Agler and, and then come and be the commit. You know, so yeah. sometimes the firings and the bad things that we think are just so terrible, you know, we in COVID. It's nothing bad. If you're alive and you're healthy yeah. and you got your family members, it's all good. At yeah. this point, you know, you take it as it comes. So. Absolutely. I just try to be very optimistic and positive and, and take things not as a personal failure. Yeah. It's not personal. It's just business. You know, who, I'm not the first coach to get fired. I won't be the last. I've been fired four times. Like, you know, but yeah. I still got jobs after all these fines. So somebody thought I could do something. <laughs> you know, some value was brought to the yeah. table. But 
You know, yeah. people get wrapped up in what other people are saying. They don't know your journey and your story and what you had to go through and, right. and the things you had to fight against. They don't know. So yeah. you just pat them on the head and push them out the door. Yeah. <laughs> I like that strategy. <laughs> they don't pay no I like that strategy. Yep. They don't know what they're talking about. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm fully with you. Uh, I, I think I know the answer to this, and we'll move on uh, from Wisconsin after this. I think I know the answer, but as you, when you do look back on, the, on your time at Wisconsin, do, do you have any regrets? You know what? I, I, I don't necessarily. I, I would do some things different. I don't know if that means regrets. Uh, maybe it could mean regrets. I think that's a regrets is just a harsh word because it's kind of like you if you knew you it wouldn't be a regret because you do something different. Right. Sure, so sure. it's just doing different things, you know, um, not waiting too long on the big dogs. You know, if you wait too long, I, I, I fully understand why people now say I, I can't wait. Cause you gonna miss the B kid and then you gotta go C, yep. you know, and it's just not good. So, yep. but a big heart and trying to work with people and thinking you had a chance, you know, all the way to the end, it comes down to you and Notre Dame, you and Rutgers, you. And, well, if they don't pick you, then you missed out on the B group that didn't want to wait because everybody got their dream school and want to, you know, but you're trying to get the program changes. So, that'll be my biggest one, just not waiting so long on the kid that maybe you. Uh, yeah, you probably yeah. you think you got a shot, and I'm confident. I think I got, and you do. They taking you to the end. You believe them, but then they pick Notre Dame or Rutgers or you know whoever, yeah. and you like ah, <laughs> and that's the one you counting on. So yeah, I would say you know don't wait too long. If, you, if they dragging foot, you got to go with the next best, yep. and that might be your B group because then you don't get the B group. Are you at the C group, yep. and they not gonna keep your job. That's right. <laughs> that's right. They not that's gonna right. help you keep it. <laughs> and then, you know, that would be the biggest. If I had to do it, I might still be there if I didn't wait on some of these kids. You yeah. know, but yep. you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure, sure. So. Um, one of obviously, I, I I have to ask about this. One of your, you know, probably the 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 moment everyone definitely remembers is your press conference. Uh, and, yeah, and the press conference. You talk about get your butt in the gym. Get, get your butt in the gym. <laughs> I wanted to say something else, but I, I bet you did. Your, get your donkey. You that, know, yeah, that's, that's right. That yeah. Get in the gym. <laughs> yeah this, yes, yes. The uh, yeah, yes, yeah, the TV yeah, networks yeah. appreciate you keeping it keeping it normal. It yeah. Um, as you look back on that, and I'm sure, I mean. If you watch the video, if you haven't watched it, just just look it up. But you can just tell how authentic and genuine you were being. You're just being like, this is how I feel. You, No way for you to have known that would blow up the way it did, right? No, I had no idea. My phone was actually ringing and pinging the next day, and it woke me up. I'm like, why is this guy, you know, other than family and some friends, I don't, I don't really love the phone like that and text messages. I'm not, you know, I'd rather call you and talk to you, hear your voice and mm-hmm. see your face, but it was pinging so bad. And I was like, what is, why? And I looked at it and somebody said, you went viral. I'm like, viral for what? I had no idea. And then, um, someone sent it to me. I looked it up. I was like, oh my God. And then people were calling, trying to interview me. My office phone, that job was ringing off the hook. I was like, wow, this is crazy. And it's not that I didn't say anything that nobody else was, everybody else had said that same thing. Yeah. It's just, I said it in the way I said it. Yep. And, you know, just the way the guy asked me the question and that game we lost to Nebraska, but they had uh, Natalie Romeo. That's when I said mm-hmm. Romeo and Bauman because my kid was Nicole Bauman. They had Natalie Romeo. She had eight threes in the game. I'm like, well, why can't everybody shoot like this? She's not doing anything special other than getting in the gym. 
Um, so anyway, it resonated with people that wasn't even basketball. I mean, so any sport, it was like, get it, get your butt to the diamond, get your butt to the daddy's cage, <laughs> yeah. or get your, you know, I had a friend of mine who, um, went to Stanford with me. He, he wrote, uh, the series Luke Cage, uh, Cheo, uh, Coker. And he said, uh, he even reached out and was like, I, people ask him all the time, how can I get my screenplay, um, written? Well, get your butt in the chair. You know, <laughs> sit down 15 minutes every day and write. That's how you get your screenplay. I mean, so it resonated. I had a trash guy, a guy that owned trash trucks. He was like, get your butt on the truck. I was like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> so it resonated with so many people from so many different areas. And it's still to this day. Somebody will tweet it, and next thing you know, yep. you know, a couple couple. Hundred people might. Oh God, I didn't see it. You know, most people have probably seen it. That's in sports and know anything about it. But you know, you'll get the amen corner coming out. Like, yeah, coach, you're right. <laughs> Still to this day, and this was what almost five years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, in 2016, I think when I said it, February. Yeah. So yep. it, it, it's still it's forever relevant, as I say. You yes. know, it doesn't change. You know, I yeah, I, I still laugh when I see it pop up because you're right. Yeah, because then you too. like it's you said, hilarious. everyone's like, yes, coach, yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and some people retweet it. I'm like, I'm clickbait now. People just trying to get folks on their phones. <laughs> you're like, yo, cut me a little bit of a commission there, huh? Like, yeah, I need oh. some commission. I need some money. <laughs> so somebody suggested, aren't you making it into you know? So I've used it for camps and little things I do on the side and logo and little website. You know, I haven't done much with it, at, at, you know, because people can't get in the gym right now. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, just slowly keeping it out there and, and encouraging people that, you know, once they can get back in the gym, you got to work. Yeah. You just got to work your tail off to get what you want, yeah. no matter if it's sports or whatever it is. You got to work. Yeah. Well, there's worse things to go viral for. For sure. Exactly. For I'm sure. glad I didn't say nothing crazy. We, <laughs> you know, you look up these viral videos and you see some of these uh, coaches, you know, the OSU coach back when he was, I'm oh, 40, yeah. I'm a man, yep. you know. It's one out there with the, the one coach is like, you know, I need some dogs, not some kitty cat. Yeah, I remember it's, that it's one. It's hilarious yep. <laughs> some of the viral ones you see. And I'm like, well, thank God I didn't say nothing too crazy. Because <laughs> you could be out there for that too. So You walked the line well. You walked the line really well. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. So after Wisconsin, you, you mentioned you, you get to do broadcasting with the Big Ten Network. You, you're an assistant with LA Sparks and WNBA, obviously the work you're doing now. Uh, just as you have gone on and gotten a chance to do all these these different things, uh, especially, I mean, when you're in coaching, as you know, it's just, it's it consumes your life. And it's, yes. it's tunnel vision and a lot of stuff gets chopped out as you do these other things. And even coaching in the WNBA, there's... The off season's much different because it's actually an off season, right? right? For right. for you, the past couple years as you've been out of collegiate coaching, how's that been? Has it been a fresh a breath of fresh air? Has it been? Yes. You know, like I, I feel like that it would be. Blake, when I tell you, the now that I'm out of it, I I don't know. I'm like God. I would not want to be. And I never thought I'd say this. I never thought I would. Somebody asked me, yes, what would you do if you weren't coaching? I'm like, I, don't, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. But now that I've had the opportunity to do some other stuff and go home and not stare at my phone, because I told you before, I'm not a big phone person, but the things you all have to do now, even, you know, four or five years ago, when because this whole, the whole social media stuff y'all got to keep up with and the, the um, photo shoots and the announcements yeah. and the... Oh man, I'm old school. Can you play or not? Are you good? Are you terrible? <laughs> it, 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 that's that's it, you know, for me. But 
you know, I think with all the extra stuff and everybody can be their own, you know, branding person and all that, it just makes a harder job to me. Um, so I don't miss it because I can still get my fix doing my little camps and my little get your butt in the gym for the little ones that still need to learn how to play. That's where I, my joy is. I did a couple of camps and it's so much fun to see them get better and the light in their eyes when they can do a layup the right way. Yeah. Inside, out, inside foot, outside foot, up, you know, or outside, inside, up, I should say. But um, teaching them how to do that and, and putting the rims low so they can make a basket and, and stuff like that. that That's where I get my joy. So I don't miss it. And what I'm doing now as the Commissioner of Athletics and Academics for in Milwaukee Public School District, it gives me still a chance to impact and, and be not on the sideline, but helping to shine up the athletic program so you get the kids with the scholarships and the nice gear and, and, and especially in an inner city, more in an inner city um, district like Milwaukee, there's so many black and brown children that are surrounded by suburbs that are really affluent and things like that. And it's just, you can see the inequity in some ways, in a lot of ways, of where people live. Yeah. I was just having this discussion where you live should not dictate the quality of your education because some people have to live over here. Mm-hmm. They don't, they can't live over there, yep. but they want the same thing for their child. So athletics, we know, play a big part in that because it's school-based. It's an extracurricular activity, but it's a, it's a learning tool, you know, and we all know that from being players and, and coaching and all that. So it just gives me an opportunity to affect um, kids and high schoolers on a different level, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, if I couldn't coach, I would want to do this. Yeah. This is exactly what I would want to do. And not being – so I'm not an athletic director. I'm like a conference commissioner. So your ACC, SEC, Big Ten, yeah. Pac-12, that commissioner of the ACC, the SEC, the Big Pac-12, that's what I'm doing on the high school level. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. Well, and you, you, you touched on it, and you kind of lead me into the, the point I wanted to go to next in that you've obviously been extremely vocal uh, on social media with – the social reckoning that our country's facing and has uh, over this this last few months, and for you, you you are working, so you you're seeing a lot of this systemic stuff, yes. right? Um, yes. And and you mentioned it like, hey, a, a kid lives somewhere where his parents have a home that should not dictate the quality of their life. Um, but for you, you like I said, you've been you've been vocal, obviously uh, unafraid mm-hmm. to to say whatever you want to say, quite frankly, which is appreciated. Mm-hmm. How have I mean, just as a black woman right now? I mean, I I'm sure we could talk about this for for the rest of the day. But if you could sum up your your feelings and the emotions that you you do put out there for us, just. How are you <laughs> operating through well, this? Well, you know what, Blake? To be honest, I hate to say this, but black people are used to this. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. It's when now you're seeing white folks getting treated like that, too. You see some of that, too. Yeah. You know, when you stick up for black people, you see you can, you can get hit over the head. Mm-hmm. We, we're used to it, unfortunately. And when white men do it, see, y'all the last bastion yeah. <laughs> of, of saying it, not just pretending you you're very outspoken too that's what i appreciate about you because it's it probably not easy to go to the family dinner when we ain't around yeah and people start speaking very freely you know we speak different one than we with our comfort and our, you know our people and mm-hmm. and i always think what what white folks saying around the dinner table right when that one relative say no no grandma you wrong mm-hmm. i love you but you wrong 
he racist. And grandma's saying, I ain't changing. What do you what do you tell you know I'm I'm more curious what y'all saying because yeah. I know what black we we saying the same thing we been saying <laughs> four hundred years yeah. it ain't right it ain't fair yeah. leave us alone let us live our lives be fair be 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 moral but I'm always thinking what white folks saying to their grandmas and uncles that they know Uncle Billy out here yeah. he he raised you know that you that's your uncle that's your auntie that's your cousin you ever lose family members. Maybe some money, some inheritance. Grandma gonna write you out that will. <laughs> she not. Right. She ain't trying to hear that. Cause yeah. you taking up for some black people. Yep. Please. Yep. So that's that's the that we got to get to that point where the silence and the oh I'm so sorry the whispering I'm so sorry that happened to you. No, I need you to be all out in front. I need that same energy. Cause because that tells me where you stand. I don't question where you stand, Blake. Cause you you out there. I don't know if you lost some, I don't know if you lost a friend from high school or somebody don't feel that way and why you, you know, you know better as a white man. This, that. I saw Kurt, Kurt uh, Hershey crying on TV. Yeah. I never seen no black, no white man <laughs> cry about how black people treat on T on national TV. I ain't never seen that. I ain't never seen that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting now that people really have to almost pick. It's sad because it was right is right. It don't matter what color you are. I don't want nothing less for a white child than I do for a black child. Yep. Me personally. For a Hispanic child, for an Asian child, for any other ethnicity of a child or a person. We are human beings. It shouldn't be we shouldn't be debating that. I don't know why that's up for debate. But it is. Because there's power and money tied to things that keep certain people in certain places. Yep. Yep. And then we now we all got to compete. If we all equal, that means I ain't as good as I thought I was. <laughs> and somebody ain't as bad as you say they are. Because yep. yep. proof is in pudding. Either you can get the job done or you can't. So historically we know, and if anybody's denying this, go to PBS. You can look at any documentary, any you know, if you know history, we don't we don't have to convince people that folks have been not treated properly. You have laws that make people do the right thing that's a problem when you know you would want that for your child mm -hmm. for your relative why didn't do you think i don't want that? jared kushner said something the other day trump want to help black people but they got to want to what what are you what are you talking about <laughs> what are you talking about sir somebody that's never had the struggle don't know nothing about it so you indicating that somehow black people don't want it so we just won't suffer we just won't be just in the dump for 400 years. We just, we like that. We we want that much attention. Give me a break. Yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of stuff you hear and you just, but as a, to answer your question, I know I kind of went in the rabbit hole, but um, as a black woman, it's just part of the course. It just, you know, you just kind of know who, what to expect and, and who can you expect it from. Maybe you get more clarity on who really is for you yeah. and who never was. Yeah. Yeah. So to say we unbothered, no, we're not unbothered, but we're used to it. So unfortunately, <laughs> it's either par for the course or people going to really change. So I look to white men and women because that, that's who's going to change it. Yeah. What are y'all going to do? Because frankly, black people are tired. <laughs> we yeah. tired yeah. of saying the same yeah. stuff and nobody believing us and that like we just making the stuff up as if we want that kind of attention. It's... Yeah, 
it's funny because I, I've made that point in that, yes, I have been outspoken, 100%. And I've had people, man, I appreciate you doing that, blah, blah. And I, I literally, I said, I said, man, I'm saying the same thing that black people have been saying, just nobody's been listening to them. That's, mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, I'm not, I didn't just have some revelation of, like, coming up with these thoughts. I'm like, I'm... It comes to a point where, and uh, we're talking about race, but like whether it's race or sexual orientation or whatever, yeah, yeah, like when someone right. is talking that isn't your same, it, they don't look like you, mm-hmm. just just listen. Just listen to yeah. them, right? So if black yeah. people are saying, we're hurting, instead of going, no, you're not, no, just listen, right? Mm-hmm. And think about it. <laughs> just take mm-hmm. it in. And it, it is frustrating when when you see people. and. I, I talked to someone earlier today. They're like, I'm sure you face backlash. You and I live in the same state, you know, essentially. But mm-hmm. you, I'm sure you face backlash. And I was like, you know what? It's interesting because I have faced plenty of backlash on social media and, and things like that. But I've yet to have someone come to my face and say anything because ultimately, what am I saying that is so controversial? To your point. Yeah. Yeah. Treat what, 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 people what, you like don't people. agree. That tell me all I need to know. Exactly. And that's that's what's funny because... If you would actually, I would actually respect someone coming to my face and disagreeing with me because I'd be like, man, you're racist, but I respect you for owning it, right? I respect mm-hmm. you for not hiding behind some facade. Mm-hmm. Like, and the fact that people don't come to your face and talk about it shows you that they know their behavior is shameful. They know, they know, they know, they know they're wrong. They know it's right. wrong. Exactly. Correct. So, correct. And I, if you come yeah. to my face, you better be coming with your receipts, all of them. That's right. That's when you right. come at me, yeah, <laughs> you, you better you better have a good valid point because I'm intelligent enough to say you know what yep. I might have been off on what I was thinking. I see what you're saying right there. I didn't think about that. Yep. I'm okay with doing that. Yes, I can be wrong. I don't have a problem with that. Yes. I've done that on even on the, um, my social media. But somebody was this, that, and the third. Oh, yep. You know what? My bad. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying right there. Yep. But when you come to me with some nonsense oh, and yeah. trying to write your racist rhetoric, no, but nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. I'll go all day with you. Wrong person. You, play that game you picked the day. wrong coach and over here. <laughs> they go away. Yes, they, they do. They run and hide and do the coward thing. Because, yep. you know, when you when you do being racist, you know you're being racist. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Um, and, and like you said, it, it's to the point where this whole system was set up by white people. And so for it to get torn down, it's going to have to come from white people. Simple. I, I I I mean you can't get no more clear than that. So. Because it's gonna it's gonna mean more when you say it's wrong. I can say it all day. People are, oh you playing a race card, you yeah. making excuses, yeah. this, that, and the third. Yep. Are you not seeing the same thing I'm seeing? Yep. Like who wants to I, I tell people all the time, I, I, I deal with again black and mostly black and brown kids that's living in the ghetto. In the everybody don't wanna live up next to a drug dealer. Hmm. Guess what? They, they that's all they can afford. They don't. They don't want to live over there. You don't think somebody gonna pick living over here in these nice suburbs over here if they had an opportunity mm-hmm. and a chance to do so? Come on now. Yeah, yeah. I I think another point too that I've tried to make to people, white people especially, because I'm I'm look I'm all in as you know like I'm 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 here I'm here for this stuff and then saying hey look this like and I know that this has kind of been the buzz a buzzword for people white privilege like hey man it's not your fault you have it. But if you ignore that you do, then now it's a problem, right? So yeah, absolutely. So I know I have it, so I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to invoke change, right? But but why is that? Let me ask you. Why is that such a? If you know history and you know you got bumped to the front of the line and everything, 
your ancestors, your grand, yeah, I want a slave, you want a slave owner, but people are still benefiting from slavery and still people are being, you know, yeah. the effects of that. It, it goes both ways. Yes. So I don't know why that's such a controversial thing. If you got it, like you said, use it in the, in the correct way. Acknowledge that it exists. How do you want to term it? You have had advantages being a white person that other people haven't had. That don't mean you're using it in some sinister way. Right. Who You have to be blind and deaf mm. and dumb not to acknowledge that. Yeah. That's why you have laws to make people do the right thing. Otherwise, people just do it. Yep. Yeah. it wouldn't, you wouldn't have to be made to federally mandate it <laughs> to, to interview people or to not keep people out of school. Why do you think, why do people think HBCUs exist? Right. Historically right. black colleges. Because we couldn't get in the damn Stanford. Right. They wouldn't let us in the Harvard. They wouldn't let us in the Wisconsin. Come on now. If that was the case, we just get in all these schools, we wouldn't have HBCUs. There'd be no reason for them. Yep. The reason was people polled literacy tests to vote. Who does that? I'm going to prove it. Then if it's not a big deal that I learn how to read, why are you making it hard for me to learn? You see that? This stuff don't make sense. Yep. If you don't care what black people are doing, it don't matter. You're superior. Why are you keeping them from reading? Because they might find out what you're doing. And they might do it better than you. But people try to justify their nonsense. I'm like... Who gives people a literacy test to vote? We just got the vote in 1965. Well, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act. Women just got the vote. We we didn't have a hundred years. Susan B. Anthony. Black black women ain't in that. We went, we couldn't vote. We three fifths of a person. Come on now. I mean, I hate that you go for my. You see how passionate I am about it. Just don't make sense. I wanted to push you down this trail because it needs to be said. It, it, it has to be. I mean, we got to be honest. That don't mean people are bad people. Sure. That don't mean just because your ancestors may have, got, you know, done some stuff, but you're still benefiting. I don't hear you giving stuff back. <laughs> I don't see you giving no money back. Right. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, don't don't lambast me when I say slavery and things of that on um, those atrocities that we can't even fathom. But there's some things I've learned about how people were treated. A curse word right now means you you having sex with your own mother. That's where that comes from. Who does that? Who sells human beings and, and you don't even know who your family are? When I see some of those Ancestry.com commercials, be honest with you, Blake, I'm looking at that like, what I'm supposed to be learning? How far back can I go? Ain't no records. Hmm. When I see commercials say since 1925, I'm like, well, shoot, my my great-great-great-grandparent may have wanted a business, a furniture store that they could have passed down to me 57, you know, 75 years later. I don't get that. You see it everywhere. When I go to the movies and Marcus Theater, you talk about his granddaddy starting Marcus Theater. Rosewood, Greenwood, we had that. We had libraries and banks and stuff like that. Black people had that. Guess who didn't want us to have it? So if you say you're free, where my 40 acres and my mule? What I got? I got to come back to you and work. I, I, you free me, but where I'm going? Well, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. You ain't getting that. Yeah. So the, the, you know this stuff. This stuff carries on. You know the the, the one way you you accumulate 
generational wealth is through ownership, home ownership. With a GI Bill, when people came back from the war, guess who got them homes? One black people. Yeah. They fought too. So when you got Drew Brees saying, well, my granddaddy fought, and I don't want to... Buddy, you don't think your teammate granddaddy fought either? Yep. But he realized that later on, but you see how you people don't think about this stuff. They don't think about it. It's inconvenient so you don't to have think to, about it. You don't, it don't matter to you. Yeah, that's but right. other people live in this existence. That's right. Yep, that's right. That's And that's it, right? It's You don't have to think about it, so you don't. You don't have to. So you don't. You don't have to. So you don't, and then you can't empathize. Yep. But if you got empathy, no sympathy, empathy, empathize, put yourself in their position. So when I see any any young person get, you know, killed, I see a, a, a grandmother getting put on the ground aggressively. I don't care what color they are. I see my family member getting treated like that. Yeah. yeah. So I weep for kids. I weep for people, black women, Sandra Bland, and them different ones that we know about, that we know about. Right, right. The Michael Browns, that's my nephew. That's the way I look at it. So it's just it's just hard. It's, it's, it's frustrating, it's hard. But black people are used to just grinning and bearing and moving on because we can't afford to just be, we can't put the covers over our head and we, we can't do that. We, we don't have the luxury. We, you know, we just don't. No, no. No, it's your life. <laughs> it's your daily it, existence. It is. It, it is. And it's not everybody's life. I, I didn't live like, you know, we weren't, the, I didn't have the most as a child, but I didn't know I was poor. I didn't know I was under the, you know, mm -hmm. little less than. I, I didn't know that. So some of that is how your people respond to that situation too. But everybody don't have the the mental fortitude and the, and the support. That stuff go a long way. Yeah. Think about your life. If you didn't have people supporting you and, and, and and pushing you and, and, and disciplining you and, and making you into something. You couldn't stand as a white man and saying what you're saying publicly and, and be okay with the pushback and all that because you have the background and confidence and the foundation to do so. I couldn't do it as a black woman if I didn't have the examples and the confidence and being raised that way yeah. and not accepting people treating me like crap. You're not going to, I don't care who you are, president whoever, you're not going to talk to me like I'm trash. Because guess what? I don't look at myself that way. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect what I, how I see myself. I'm going to expect you to treat me that way. And when you don't, you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bottom line. That's it. Because guess it. what? We ain't friends. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, um... Yeah, it's it's when I think back at like look at my life and I mean I know we all when we were younger made choices we wish we didn't but mm -hmm. and this is and kind of to the back to the the privilege thing for me I understand how some white people could come from very humble backgrounds and had to really grind and work for everything and they probably look around and go what did being white do for me like i didn't right. i had to grind, but but, but your life right. no matter how <laughs> no matter how hard your life was and no matter how hard you had to work none of the obstacles you faced were because you were white and that because, in and of go. itself is a privilege there you go 
it, so, it wasn't based on what I could see on the outside. Right. And to your point about sexual orientation and different things, you can't see that. Right. Right. You yeah. know, some people might say, well, he a feminist. She, she kind of manly. Yeah. Well, that's your opinion. I don't mean they that. No. But you can see me from a mile away. <laughs> We're talking like, black and white, quite literally. P- period. Yep. You can see me. I, I can't, I can't, nor do I want to. I, I, you know, this is what you're getting. That's why you don't base things off of how people look. Yep. The outside, Bible even say that. The outside, thank God he don't treat us like on the outside. Yeah. You know your heart. Yeah. So we, we if we just get back to that basic stuff, and a lot of people don't believe that and, you know, get all into that part, but, man, we, we'd be so much better off. Yeah. But folks have these opinions, and it's, it's really you don't like yourself. Oh, yeah. Because if I don't know you, Blake, why do I hate you? I don't even know you. Mm-hmm. I know nothing to hate because I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I do it just on the way you look, how stupid are you? Yeah. I mean, come on, like, that don't yeah. even make sense. <laughs> That makes zero sense. Yes, we have our little prejudices and our little, you know, they dress a certain way, mm-hmm. but we're not going to take that to systemic racism right. and bigotry. That's just something just on the outskirts. We just have, um, you know, I'm not going to keep you from buying a house over here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different job. Yeah. yeah. So do people have prejudices? Yes, we all do. I don't like redheads. So I don't like, you know, Somebody wear dresses all the time. That, that's 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 surface level crap. That don't mean nothing. Yeah. But when I make laws to keep you from buying something or loans that make it hard for you to pay it, you know, so you gonna put my interest rates to the roof because I'm black. Not, not, never mind that I probably can pay it back. That has nothing to do with me paying it back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stupid stuff like that. Yeah. It's just you know. But then everything is made to make it hard for me. But then I got to pay back double. But you didn't move the goalposts and the finish line. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Do do you and I'll, I'll I've you've been so gracious with your time and thoughts and, and I really do appreciate it. No, and I think I'm talking too long. No, no, it. absolutely not. Cut it off. Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> nope. When people are genuine, people like to listen to that. I know that's true. So does it does it feel different, though? I mean, I, we we you mentioned Sandra Bland. We can go back and just name all all these Trayvon Martin. We can go back, 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 and and it's always a surge, and then it goes away. A surge goes away. Yeah. Does it feel different now, though, for you? For me, um, personally, I guess yes and no, um, because you see it more because you got the social media and everything, twenty four hour news cycles and things like that. This stuff has been going on. So, personally, I've never been. Um, I've never had a bad experience with a police officer, me personally. Mm-hmm. And I've been stopped many times because I got a lead foot on break. <laughs> I drive fast. I mean, it, it, I'm guilty every time. It's very you know, self-aware I, I can't of you. even say officer. I wouldn't speak. You know, I was. Like, yeah, you got <laughs> me. You got me. I was. You got me. <laughs> but, um, and I've only encountered white men. I don't think I've ever been stopped by a white woman. I can't remember. A t- I can't remember the time I was scared that a police officer come because, you know, I don't know if I just, can, I just you know, license right. Okay, here you go. Yeah. Well, do you know why I stopped? Yeah, I was speeding. <laughs> I mean, so, I, I, but I can't say that others have, you know, not had bad, you know, obviously we see the bad experiences. Um, but it's not different for me personally, no. Um, does it, I would say 
I'm, I'm scared for other, because I've never had that experience, so I don't personally feel afraid. But the climate, yes, that's different. Yes. The the brashness, the boldness. Um, have I had someone come up to me in a store and start something in the parking lot? No. But do I see it? Yes. Mm-hmm. How would I react? I don't know. Most people are crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and that part is your personality, you know. Can I be confrontational? Yeah. Do I pick my moments? Yes. Mm-hmm. I pick heels, I'm going to die on, you know, figuratively. Mm-hmm. I, ain't gonna bang. I don't even feel like doing that today. But some days I feel like that. Yeah. But I think, you know, prayerfully, I say, Lord, just help me to know, you know, what to go further with, what to leave alone, what to, you know, so some of that's your personal tolerance, conviction, uh, you know, spiritual compass, so to speak. Um, do I get it right every time? No. Do I want to cuss people out? Yeah. Do I cuss sometimes? Yes. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm going to drop an F-bomb on you. No, I'm just, but you know, it, it gets to the point where you just won't, you know, scream and holler. Some days you cry, you know, you just be down a little bit about it. Other days you feel like you can conquer the whole thing, you know? Yeah. So it's just, you know, I just hope that all the cooler heads prevail yeah. and the nut jobs no matter what color they are, you know, if you go around ambushing people and police, I want the police to come and help me. I don't care what color they are. Mm-hmm. Do I want a good one that acting right and leaving their personal feelings out of whatever they do your job and do it well? Yeah. But we know we take us everywhere we go. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm hopeful that we are at the front door of better times and that, yeah, this doesn't die down, right? That we demand change until it actually changes. That's uh, yeah. That's my yeah. hope. So I know that uh, I know that you will you'll you'll keep being you, but uh, I hope I hope some people will join me and <laughs> and in, in, in joining yeah. you, join me and joining you. Yes, join you and you know and more more people of your of, you know your your persuasion. And we've had a lot that, you know, all through the centuries, there's been good white folks out there helping. You know, some black people wouldn't have made it out of the situation. There had been some people hiding them and things like, I know history. It ain't all. Yep. This ain't all. But it got to be enough to say no more. Yeah. That's enough on that. Yeah. Got to be honest. Yep. That's I, not right. I, uh, you know, so. I, I, I know that because, you, you know, generalities are tossed around like, you know, white people. And I always say, if if you know it's not about you, then let it go. But if yeah, if someone makes a <laughs> but if someone makes a general statement like that and you feel a little guilt, then maybe you need to look in and go, well, yeah. well, yeah. maybe you gotta look at that. Yeah, because any any rational mind, it's never all, never all. Of course, you know, you learn in school not to use those terms because yeah. it's not that. But yeah, hit dog holler. That's you know, you know you've been in a party today. That's one of my favorite quotes. speaking on that because I'm right. not gonna. I'm not going to feel bad about something I don't do. That's right. Yeah. Nope. If I don't treat people poorly, I don't feel bad about it because I don't do that. That's right. Generally speaking, you Mm -hmm. know, and if I do, I check myself or somebody checks me and I'm appreciative of the check. Yep. That's right. Because everybody got to be brought back and like, come on now, that's not, oh yeah, you're right. That that was wrong. I, I need to, I need to fix that. You know, if you mature and you about right, you don't get offended by a lot of that stuff. That's right. And I'm not talking about people just accusing you or something. I'm talking about you know you doing, you know you, 
You know what you yeah. said. You know what you did. Yeah. Stop playing games. Yeah. Yeah. And just be honest. If you're a racist, be honest. I just don't like black people. Just go ahead and be, be that. <laughs> But don't smile in my face and then talk, you know, then back here doing some mess. Yep. I almost appreciate people that just come out and say, well, I just don't like, okay, cool. I know what I'm dealing with. Right. It's just kind of scary that the lengths that people go to and, you know, I don't see no Biden people out here cracking people over the head. Right. But I see the other side doing a lot of violent crap yep. and then blaming Black Lives Matter. Well, who the violent ones? Mm-hmm. Hitting people with cars and you know, killing people, like, who, wait a minute, I'm confused. So, anyway, we'll see you next Tuesday. I was going to say, perfect reminder, go vote next week, (laughs) if you haven't already. Please, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Coach, I, uh, like I said, um, I appreciate you, I've, I've admired you, and how you use your voice, and just, uh, it's been fun getting to know your story a little bit more detailed, and uh, and I just appreciate us the last 20 minutes or so, just this open, honest conversation. I appreciate you being willing to share it with me and sharing your time, which is valuable. And just uh, I thank you so much again for joining me and, and everything you shared over the past hour with me. Well, I appreciate you too, Blake. Uh, you know, it, like I said, it's not easy for a white man to come and say these things, but, you know, and really stand up. But those who do, I, you always get, get my applause, pat on the back, and we can get, you know, more people saying the right thing and doing the right thing. You know, we, we can overcome the, the ones that, you know, just fail to understand or realize or don't want to, you know. So I, I appreciate you as well, and it's been fun. I, I, I thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. And again, everybody, go vote, right? Go vote. Uh, the perfect punctuation uh, on our talk. Thanks again uh, to Bobby Kelsey for for joining me on the jump around again. Um, I, I just appreciate her candidness and openness with, with her story. But of course, at the end too, uh, as we talked about uh, so much more, you can find her on Twitter at Bobby Kelsey, B O B B I E K E L S E Y. You can find me on Twitter, always at Blake Dudonis. Thanks for listening to the jump around wherever you listen, Spotify, iTunes, Google play, wherever you listen, it's appreciated. If you can leave a rating or review wherever you listen, that's helpful. But otherwise, until next time, this is The Jump Around. Get your butt in the gym. <laughs> <laughs>